George, hello George, hello to two Georges. Uh, Dishes Coffee is live with uh, my favorite uh, David Bowie, Ashes to Ashes. Welcome everyone. Hello Natasha, I should have known it that you know behind this song, behind the choice of the song for the introduction should have been you, since we all know after all these years that David Bowie is your favorite. Yes, of course, behind David Bowie, it's always me. today George uh, would you like to introduce our friend uh, the other George from across uh, from it's a totally different continent he is and that's exactly what I really like saying about uh, teachers coffee that it's the bridge between uh, the ELT among the ELT world we connect people together together connected is our hashtag uh, so yes, people, educationalists, and everyone from uh, from a lot of different countries, and now from different continents as well. Exactly, and don't forget that that was exactly the motto and the mentality that we had, the mindset before starting this new season. We've been connecting these people together since the very first moment that this show was on, but this year I found it so fascinating that in a few moments we will connect directly to Sao Paulo, we will get a little bit of Brazil, of this amazing country, and the best person to do that is um, a very good friend, I must say, um, uh, a business partner as well, a colleague, uh, and a person who really knows what he's talking about. And this is no one else but Jorge Sechi, uh, if my Brazilian Portuguese skills and pronunciation allows me to pronounce it correctly. Jorge, are you there? Hi, George. Hi, Natasha. I'm here. Can you hear me well? Excellent. Excellent. Okay, uh, first of all, I'd, I'd like to uh, thank you guys for the opportunity. I've been looking forward to be uh, a part of this program and I was finally invited and I'd like to uh, congratulate Natasha for the choice of songs which are wonderful and I'm ready for you guys to share a little bit of my experience in Brazil uh, with your uh, followers and listeners. Zorzi, okay, uh, the first thing, and I think this is um, somehow an um, essential part, fundamental part of this show, give us a little bit of Sao Paulo, give us a little bit of Brazil maybe amidst the pandemic. Here in Europe we have uh, a second massive wave in every single, in all the biggest countries, uh, Germany, France, Greece, Spain as well, Portugal. 
So give us a little bit the news and the feeling from the other side of the Atlantic. Right. Uh, I'm sorry you guys are going through this second wave. Uh, in Brazil, uh, as you probably know, uh, the situation was very bad at the beginning. Brazil was badly hit by the pandemic. We, we had some 5.4 million cases of uh, COVID-19 in the country. Of course, our population is 210 million people, but still, that's a horrific number. And the death toll was around 158,000, which is also uh, overwhelming and stunning and, and very sad. Uh, our federal government didn't take the situation very seriously at the beginning. He's not very science-oriented, as you probably know, okay? He's very right-wing and he has all these kinds of superstitions. Uh, he advised people to take uh, uh, chloroquina and uh, all these other funny medicines. But now things are better. The, as you know, we are a federation and the, the states, we have 26 states, they have some kind of um, autonomy. Uh, the governors stepped up to the challenge and uh, they started encouraging social distancing and isolation and uh, the, the use of masks. So numbers are going down now. Overall, in these 26 days, uh, states that we've got, only nine states have plateaued. All the others, uh, the, the numbers in all the other states, the numbers of people contaminated are going down deeply. Uh, and I don't think we're going to have a second wave because our flu season, our winter, if you want to call it, although temperatures in Brazil are very mild throughout the year, uh, is only next year in June. So I believe that by that time uh, we'll have a vaccine. Brazil is uh, collaborating uh, very intensely with um, uh, labs in, in, in the UK and in China and we've got a very famous Brazilian lab as well called Instituto Butantan which is famous for the production of vaccines and I believe that by the end of the year we'll have the vaccine produced locally. Distribution is another thing. It's going to be hard uh, or harder to distribute all these uh, this vaccine to uh, throughout the country but it will be done eventually. Well, it's really nice to, to hear that uh, the situation in Brazil is improving because uh, right now Europe is in a very bad situation and uh, it seems like we have a second wave of the pandemic. So um, it is really relieving to listen to, to the fact that in another part of the world the situation is getting better and better and we all hope for something similar, uh, that we will be able to broadcast something similar in the future through Teachers Coffee because all we hear is negative and everybody is very worried, we don't know how to react, we don't know what to do to protect ourselves and of course the situation for both students and teachers is very, very difficult and very hard. Yeah, in Brazil, we've got two segments in terms of schools, Natasha. We have the private sector and we have the public sector. Uh, families which are more uh, well-off will send their kids to private private schools and uh, kids who come from families 
which are not that well off will go to the public sector. Uh, the, pub the situation in the public sector was a lot worse during these uh, seven months. But now uh, schools are uh, resuming their activities in person, but still uh, it's, uh, it differs a lot from state to state, from city to city. You know, sometimes a school will open up and then close down again because uh, one or two cases will pop up. But in general, uh, uh, we are moving towards resuming normality. We, we have a calendar year. So our classes start in, at the beginning of January and finish at the beginning of December. So we've been through the worst. Uh, the private schools have covered the necessary hours of teaching because the students have the, all the resources, the internet. The teachers have been working extra hard, three times as much as they were when they had only the in-person lessons. Uh, the situation is worse in the public sector because they, they don't have computers at home, their internet connection is poor. So uh, I believe they are going to suffer some... Uh, they will fall behind a little bit uh, next year, but then they will catch up, all right? So next year, it's a, new, it's a new situation, it's a new world, it's a new reality. Uh, when we resume schools as of the beginning of February, I, I hope uh, things are going to be back to normal in most states in Brazil. So, Jorge, if I understood well, uh, this year, this difficult year, you have been practicing in Brazil. I mean, the majority of the teachers, some kind of blended learning. It was like uh, some of the schools remotely, some others face to face, or the majority of them using both of these techniques. Uh, actually, George, it was, I would say, 100% of the schools closed down for uh, in-person activities. Everything was done remotely, not even blended. The blended learning has just started in the private sector, right? So uh, the rich schools, the, the good schools, uh, are offering the choice for students to show up a couple of days a week, a week at home, a week at school. So the blended part of the education has just started. For the past seven months, it was all remote, it was all online, and that's why the public schools didn't do so well, because they didn't have the resources and the students didn't have the resources. So uh, we closed down totally for seven months. Things are opening up now. Uh, the economy is uh, getting back to its normal activity uh, now. It didn't happen before, so no blended learning for the, the, the past seven months.
Okay, so I think we have an, a picture of what is going on uh, in Brazil right now. Uh, but George, what I, I really love about the things that you upload and you post on Facebook uh, are connected with uh, your site, your blog, and it's something that I mentioned uh, uh, on Teachers Coffee Group when I posted today's uh, announcement of who is going to be our guest on Teachers Coffee. And uh, that is called the Lingua Gem, a very inventive <laughs> title, I have to say, but it's really a gem. Oh, thank you very much, Natasha. Uh, in fact, the blog was created as a way of promoting a series of books that I self-published. I'm going to talk about them later on, briefly, if you, if you guys are interested. But the blog is basically, uh, it's called Linguagem, which is language in Portuguese. I, I, I chose the name because I thought being a Latin name uh, would be understood by most people and I didn't want to use this language because at the beginning I had some articles in Portuguese as well. Now, let's say 85%, 90% of the articles are written in English because I want to reach as much people as possible. The, the, the blog is not about ELT necessarily, although there's a lot of it that can be used uh, by teachers. It is about uh, language in general, in the semiotics sense of it. Uh, so I talk about movies, I talk about art, I talk about uh, books I want to, uh, to encourage people to read, especially Brazilian literature which is not very well known in other parts of the world. So if I know that those books have been translated into English, I make sure uh, to talk about them in, in, in the blog, right? So I list books written by Brazilian authors. I, I talk about the biography of some of our biggest authors because we all know that uh, Latin American authors, except for Gabriel Garcia Marquez or Isabel Allende are not very well known throughout the world, okay? Uh, so, uh, uh, because I love books, I love reading, I talk about that. I talk about um, celebrities as well, because everybody, you know, is somehow interested in celebrities. So, if there is something interesting to share, I, I would do that. Always from a, uh, a, a, a very personal perspective. For example, I wrote an article about Michael Jackson uh, emphasizing what it takes to become that good at something, you know, the, the effort that you have to put into it, uh, the, the need to have a coach uh, who was his father, without any judgment, without uh, mentioning any of the troubles that uh, he went through in his life. I just emphasized... Uh, the efforts that it takes for people to become great at something. So I, I always exploit uh, topics uh, through this kind of angle, you know, uh, and if I can uh, talk about language in or presentations uh, in the meantime, uh, I, also, uh, I also do that, you know, I have, I have a, a, an article on tips on how to give presentations, on TED Talks, etc., etc., education. Well, that's exactly what I love about your blog, uh, George. The fact that it's not totally ELT, but somehow it is ELT because uh, I believe that the next day 
mobility teaching is good content. We should exploit the content that is offered uh, from, you know, different blogs and sites and resources from around the world, and we should make them uh, work for the classroom. Uh, we need a lot of different topics, we need variety, and that's exactly what I found really interesting uh, as far as your blog is concerned. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, I'm glad you mentioned contents because my belief in terms of my view of language learning or language acquisition in, in the crushing sense of uh, meaning of the words is exactly that. You know, I think that the key word to learn a foreign language or even your mother tongue is exposure. You know, the more you read, the more you listen the more you are exposed to compelling, good contents, the better you develop. Everything else is peripheral, including grammar. I'm totally for the teaching of grammar, but it's very limited. I've been watching some crashing uh, videos, uh, some of his latest uh, YouTube videos, and I'm surprised that he's, he's so open-minded, he's such a fun person, and at the same time, what he says is basically that content is king compelling content at the right level which is slightly above the student's current level at a certain time it cannot be too easy because in that case you won't be profiting much and it cannot be too difficult because otherwise you won't understand uh, that's the key the more you read the more you you listen to the radio in, in the target language or uh, watch programs in a target language, the better your English or, your, or the foreign language you are, you are interested in acquiring uh, works. It's, it, uh, the, 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 the key activity is exposure to the right inputs, comprehensible inputs, as you call it. Exactly, Zorzi, and you know, I'm also fascinated by him and what you say is uh, he devoted his whole life in this idea. However, I think what is uh, really, and this is something for the teachers to realize, because I've been always listening to teachers say, saying, you must read more, you must read more. Yes, but you must read the things that you like. I mean, um, Krasen is also an advocate of, yeah, all this exposure should happen, but only if you choose what you want to read because you really like it that's how you achieve this compelling level of content in terms of um uh, appealing in terms in terms of you know how much you like something and uh, under this frame of mind i want you to tell us a little bit more regarding um the um, uh, english to art because me and natasha we were really fascinated i dare say first of all let me open a parenthesis all of you that you are listening, any movie or book review that comes from George's blog is like a guarantee. It's uh, whatever this guy has recommended has been wonderful because I've been following you for more than two years now, seriously, your blog, and I read all your reviews, um, uh, very well structured, um, very valid sound arguments. Of course, they have always a personal, let's say, uh, touch. Uh, and uh, subjectivity, but uh, when a review is well-grounded, is more than welcome. So, apart from the movies and the books, can you focus a little bit more on this English to art idea that you uh, practice very thoroughly through your blog? 
thank you, George. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I was going through a period where uh, I was in. Uh, I had left a job, and I was in between jobs, and I had some free time. And because I love art and I love English, I decided to combine both. You know, I was always uh, impressed by the. Uh, the lack of use of art in ELT books, okay? I don't think, you know, it's, there's art all over the place and nobody's talking about it. So I started by posting some uh, activities on a site called uh, SlideShare. I believe the name has changed now, but it's still there. And I realized that uh, they became very popular. They were free activities related to paintings. So what I decided to do was, okay, why don't I publish, don't I self-publish on Kindle, you know, because it's very easy to do, uh, books that use art as a, as a, as a beginning for us as a springboard for language activities. I repeat, I'm not a specialist in art. I'm a specialist in language teaching. I have an MA in Applied Linguistics to the teaching of foreign languages. So what I did is uh, I selected popular artists, you know. I went through the internet and uh, chose some paintings that I thought would lend themselves greatly to uh, language activities. Uh, there is an app, it's a paid app, but it's excellent, called Art Authority, which has pictures from paintings, from uh, museums, from all over the world. And I, get, I got in touch with them and asked for permission to use some of their paintings. They said, that's fine, you can't use like anything from the app, like the information or the, or the screen of the app, but if you want to use our paintings, feel free to, to do it. And if you please uh, refer to the app in your books, we'd appreciate it. And that's exactly what I did. I signed, I signed a contract with the, uh, the, the app maker. And in, at the beginning of every book, I talk about them. Art authority. I extremely recommend that. So. Having done that, I selected uh, artists like Matisse, Picasso, Caravaggio, uh, Winslow Homer, Norman Rockwell. P uh, artists were uh, already uh, popular, uh, uh, who were already popular. I selected 10 paintings from each per book. And for each painting, I, I devised uh, different activities at different levels following the common European framework of reference. For example, if you take my Picasso book, you're going to find 10 paintings in the book. And for each painting, you have three kinds of activity for the beginner level, for the intermediate level students and for the advanced. OK, so A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2 for each single picture that totals more or less 30 activities per book, okay, they are productive activities. They are, uh, f they focus mainly on writing, speaking, and vocabulary practice. So these are not course books. They are supplementary materials for your students to practice writing, speaking, and vocabulary uh, activities in the context of uh, 
paintings. Why is that interesting? Because painting is fun. It exposes the students to beauty. Okay, it can be used in a very flexible way. Uh, through paintings, you can talk about all kinds of subjects. You can talk about history. You can talk about psychology. You can talk about myth. You can talk about geography. Uh, if you add some kind of information about the artists as well, you can discuss their personal lives, their problems, like Van Gogh, who was uh, mentally ill and who was uh, probably murdered at the end of his life. Nobody knows exactly what happened. So there's a lot to talk about. It's pure clear. I'm sure uh, most teachers who are listening to this are, are familiar with the acronym. Uh, content and Language Integrated Learning, uh, CLIO. So if you want to incorporate CLIO in your lessons, use art, because you can talk about anything. The activities are already ready-made for you, they are prepared, but you can change them, okay? You can uh, use my activities in the way you want, you can make adjustments, you can use, uh, you can change uh, an activity from one level, to an upper level or to a lower level, okay, if you make very simple adaptations. Uh, the feedback I've been getting about the books is very good. It's selling relatively well through Kindle. People are not really used to buying anything on the internet, okay, so that's the problem. But I don't care. Uh, as long as my books are there, you know, and they talk about it, and I keep receiving comments and good feedback, I'm very happy about that. Well, thank you very much, uh, Georgie, for that, uh, for that uh, really useful information. And I have to add something before saying goodbye. Um, it, it's the fact that uh, uh, what I really like about everything that you create is this personal touch that George Kogel has mentioned before, because I, I firmly believe that, uh, you know, that ignites some kind of reaction from people. You know, it's something which is impersonal and always too professional. It becomes boring after some time. Uh, whereas when you put, you know, in the effort to make personal connections with your students or individuals or whoever you want to deliver the message to, uh, that makes a big difference in how they feel about it overall. That's why I believe your creations should really be very successful as far as the lessons are concerned. Thank you very much. I totally agree with you. You have to find an angle and that angle has to reflect your personality in a way, okay? I repeat, I'm not an art specialist. I'm a specialist in English language teaching. But, you know, uh, I interpret, uh, 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 art lends itself to all kinds of interpretation, it's very flexible. So, I make sure to insert my angle there and allow the students to personalize the activities as well. Because personalization is the key to uh, becoming fluent in, 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 in a second language, when you start to use something to relate to your own life, to your own dreams and aspirations. Thank you very much, Georgie and Natasha. Thank you very much, too, for being with us today. It was lovely to listen to you, and it's always very enlightening to listen to you, Georgie. Thank you. Thank you. Our best greetings to Sao Paulo and Brazil. 
and uh, I'm sure we're going to have you again very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you. George, we have some few minutes to talk about our stuff now because tomorrow it's Halloween and do you know what you can find online in order to, to for your lessons even after Halloween? I believe that uh, you might have already downloaded some stuff from uh, Express Publishing sites and resources. Have you? Uh, to tell you the truth, no, but I know that they are there and I know that you know more to tell us about it. So would you like to elaborate before I um, remind our listeners about some of the webinars that are coming? Well, yes, and it's not just uh, for Halloween. You can find a lot of festive days and special days activities, extra downloadable free material, and you can find general ones on uh, teachers-corner.co.uk. You will have to click on the free resources and then find the festive days, festivity days for primary and secondary levels and you can download the, the, levels, the levels you're interested in. You will find Halloween worksheets as well. But for the Flipit users, you know the, the primary young learners new course by Express Publishing, we have uh, festivity days especially created for uh, Halloween and of course other uh, special days but it's Halloween tomorrow so I bet that you are mostly interested in that uh, so all you have to do is just you know visit the fleabets.co.uk which is the microsite of the series and just uh, click on uh, the teachers section you will find the downloadable area if you're a Fleabet users you will find the code to download everything for free the code is written in your teacher's book. So open your teacher's book, find the code and start downloading all the free resources that are available for you through the fleabets.co.uk. And don't forget, it's Halloween. However, we have a very, very interesting event which has already started based in Argentina and organized by Anglia, the Ibero-American Network, Anglia Exams. I'm talking about the 16th Anglia International e-Congress. It's open to everyone. You only have to pay a very small subscription and you will get access to um, a numerous uh, presentations and an exhibition by amazing professionals. Among them, we have tomorrow Jenny's Dooley, Jenny Dooley's talk. Um, uh, teaching the Generation C Brain, which starts at, uh, let me make the calculations, 3 o'clock UK time. Um, it's open to everyone, as I said. You can find all the registration links and all the information at Teacher's Coffee, Teacher's Corner, and of course the Express Publishing page. Or maybe you want to visit the official Anglia page. And because next week, uh, maybe by the time we will be having this webinar, we also have our show, Teachers Coffee, maybe we'll start a little bit earlier. We also have a semi-marathon with Rachel Paling um, and uh, Katerina Mandadaki, and I'm going to talk there about what we discuss here with George about Krasen, about extra reading with a 
almost brand new talk called um, Read and Let the Other Study. Katerina will talk about her amazing talk, Staying Connected While Disconnected. And of course, Rachel will keep on um, um, uh, opening our eyes regarding what is the actual brain-friendly lesson. Uh, we will remind you, of course, until then, but since it will be very, very near to the next show, that's why I'm, I'm making this announcement uh, now. So, happy Halloween, and it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me as well. Happy Halloween, have a nice weekend, and trick or treat. <laughs>